Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network. Welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about this past week in racing. Joining me in the studio, Louise Torres and Richard Uden. Fellas, how we doing? We're good, thank you. Good. All right, so a uh, couple of uh, couple of big races uh, on the docket. We had, uh, you know, Darlington, uh, which is uh, always an exciting race to watch there with uh, the throwbacks. Um, liveries for NASCAR. Um, Formula One was in uh, Portugal. No, Formula One was oh, sorry, Formula, Spain. Formula Spain. One was in Formula One was in Spain. Yeah, again, it was indeed. I'm sorry, I, I Catalonia. I lost a week somewhere. Yeah, Formula One was in Spain, and um, again, uh, neither race was really spectacular uh but they both had uh you know good points uh to watch you know uh, again yep. like we talked about last week spain doesn't always put on a spectacular show uh no and it's, and, and, the, and the teams are so well versed with the track uh because yep. of all the testing there but uh but again at the end of the day it was um lewis hamilton who didn't necessarily have the fastest car max uh Verstappen seemed to have a, a lot of that race under control, but it was a fine strategy call uh, from Mercedes that uh, put Lewis to the front. So, Richard, if you want to try to break that down a little bit and explain how all that went down. Yeah, I mean, in, in the whole sort of race, really, goes back to Saturday afternoon and qualifying, as, as is as is pretty typical uh, around around Spain, you know, we, we've talked about this last week on the show, you know, it's the circuit where all the teams do, apart from this year because of the global situation, but that's where the teams typically do all their pre-season testing. So they have that place dialed in like, you know, nobody's business. And to, you know, to, to go there, it's normally, you know, the, they, they call it a Noah's Ark grid. You know, the teams are all lined up two by two because the cars are so well you know, equally matched around there, but uh, not quite so much this year. There was a little bit of separation, a little bit of shaking up in the grid, still a few guys trying to get to grips with the teams and everything. Um, but the real issue was um, an either unwell or unfit Sergio Perez in some ways. He um, claimed of, uh, it was a bit of a strange one, really. There was two two schools of thought. One was either a shoulder injury and another one was saying that he was feeling dizzy. He said he felt dizzy and the team said he had a shoulder injury. So something a little bit strange going on there. But uh, but yeah, so, so Perez qualified down the order there. In, he's still in the top 10, but not 
where he should have been in the top four with uh, Verstappen, Hamilton and Bottas. So, start of the race, uh, you know, Verstappen gets ahead of Hamilton into the first corner. You know, it, it was a good move. Um, Hamilton sort of looked like he tried to turn in on him, but Hamilton's a wise head on, you know, still young shoulders. Um, and he, he gave Verstappen that bit of room and, and it, you know, he's reasonably professional out there. You know, um, Verstappen had, um, you know, the lead over Hamilton. Leclerc made a fantastic start. Leclerc's driving brilliantly this year. If you look at some of his performances, I know he hasn't made it on the podium yet, but another stellar qualifying performance. Great start. Managed to pull an Alonso, go around the outside of Bottas in turn three, which is no mean feat under the best of conditions, but with a heavy car, you know, full of fuel, that takes some doing. So, so Bottas was a little bit compromised there early in the race. And by the time all the pit stops, first round of pit stops had um, sorted themselves out there, uh, Verstappen was ahead of Hamilton and, and Bottas was in third. But um, it, as as with any you know race in Barcelona, it was obvious that Hamilton could get within that DRS zone, could get within a one second of Verstappen. But Verstappen was never, you know, so Hamilton was never going to get past Verstappen. It's just the circuit's just not set up that way. They'd made some changes to turn ten to try and improve overtaking opportunities, but. Shock horror, it didn't make any difference whatsoever. Uh, there was no overtaking really possible unless you were vastly, you know, um, faster over the course of the lap. With only really one overtaking place on the track going down into turn one there. So Mercedes, you know, took a gamble, a calculated risk rather than gamble, probably is how they describe it. And this goes back to the comment I was making earlier on the Saturday on Perez's qualifying. Because Perez didn't qualify where the car should be and arguably where the team needed him to be, there was a gap behind Bottas that Hamilton could slot into. And having tyres that were 15, 20 laps younger than Verstappen's allowed Hamilton to push a lot harder, got past his teammate without, you know, Bottas didn't make it easy for him, but he's under no obligation to do so. And, you know, fair play to Lewis, even post-race, he said, yeah, you know, Bottas was just doing what he needs to do, you know, look out for himself, he's not going to pull over and, and wave him through sort of thing. So that was good to see. And, you know, due to the uh, performance difference in the age of the tyres, Hamilton was like a second, second and a half a lap faster than Verstappen, and he just cruised up to him and the inevitable happened and he, excuse me, made his way past that, uh, going down again into turn one. So, you know, great strategy call by the McLaren team. Very similar to... Oh, sorry, McLaren. Good grief, I'm doing it as well now, Frank. Mercedes team. And, uh, you know, very similar to what happened at Hungary in 2019. And, again, this this scenario and this set of, seconds, set of circumstances is exactly, exactly why Red Bull dropped Alex Albon and picked up Sergio Perez. Now... I know Perez has only been there four races, and I know it's a new team with limited testing. It is taking some getting used to. It's not easy, for sure. But you look at some, you know, Carlos Sainz going to Ferrari. He's, you know, not a million miles miles away off off the pace now. Uh, You know, Daniel Ricciardo had a great race weekend from McLaren there. Um, You know, so some of the guys that are moving teams are already, you know, up there and thereabouts. And, and, And Sergio really needs. 
a good weekend in Monaco in, in 10 days' time. You know, he needs to go out there, qualify in that top four and finish in that top four and play that blocking card. You know, Red Bull, Christian Horner, Helmut Marco, those guys, they didn't bring in Perez to, to win champions, to, to win the Drivers' Championship. They didn't bring him in to make Verstappen go faster because Verstappen can, is as fast enough as it is. They brought Perez in there to, to play that blocker and to play the spoiler for the Mercedes strategy. Because, yes, as much as it was a, you know, you could look at it and go, wow, that was an amazing strategy called by the Mercedes team. Was it really? You know, it, yeah, or was it more of a failure on Red Bull's part? Exactly. And it, exactly. It, it, it wasn't a failure on Red Bull's part. It was a failure on Perez's part. And I don't want to be critical because I know it's it's difficult, you know. But you, when you're in a sport like this, the buck stops somewhere. And purely, you know, if Perez has done what he was brought into the team to do, Mercedes wouldn't have been able to do what they did. Um, so, you know, they desperately, desperately need him to step up Monaco is the prime example due to the nature of that circuit, you know, and, 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 and have a solid weekend, you know, no mistakes. He span in qualifying, which was just messy. You know, it was a rookie mistake to put it bluntly, you know, um, getting on the, um, uh, the, the he, he sort of got his, his left rear tire onto the gravel coming out of turn 12 there. And you just can't make mistakes like that in a red bull. You know, you can, not being disrespectful, you can do that in a racing point or a force injury. I'm going to call it. You can do that in a Sauber. You can do that, you know, in a midfield team, and people go, "Oh yeah, oh, oh well, that's a mistake." But in a team like Red Bull, Mercedes, for there's nowhere to hide, and you know, Perez has got to be careful. He cannot make those mistakes because we all know Red Bull are not afraid to chop and change drivers. Uh, yeah, you know, if, I wanted to I wanted to bring that up because it seems like in their quest to find the perfect complement teammate to Verstappen, they're, they're, they've stumbled a few times here because, I mean, Albon wasn't it. I mean, Gasly, I, I mean, I like Gasly, but he yeah, he, he wasn't just what they were looking for. And now Perez you know is what? only four races in. We're already showing some. Uh, so, yeah, I uh, mean, I. I I've got a theory on Gasly. And you know what? Yes, there was a lot of pressure on him. You know, from the very start, you know, you look back to, you know, his, his first few test sessions, you know, and he made those mistakes and he crashed, you know, with a brand new wing on the car in, in uh, Barcelona during the, one of those preseason tests and all this sort of stuff. So there was obviously a lot of pressure and he probably didn't do as well as was expected in the early part of that um, season. But I wonder if, you know, Verstappen reminds me a lot of Schumacher. He's clinical. And Senna, in a way, he is clinical. He has this, to his mind, divine right to win in some ways. And he may have seen Gasly as a threat. And may have seen Gasly as a guy that, okay, this guy is, is, is you know, he's quick. And he may have played the politics game within the team and put Gasly under pressure and put his nose out of joint a little bit and, and made it difficult for him. Now, I'm not saying that is the case, but it wouldn't surprise me because from what Gasly's shown, you know, 
being back at Toro Rosso and Alpha Tauri or whatever, you know, he won a race for goodness sake last year. And that wasn't pure luck, you know. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a was, Grand Prix winner. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he's a podium finisher the year before. You know, he he can get a job done. And he's a very, very, very competent driver. I, I wonder if there isn't a bit of that from Verstappen's point of view. Maybe you made life difficult for him. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's, that's kind of what I'm, I, I was hinting at, whether it's something internally within Red Bull or with Verstappen that we're struggling to find that Rubens Barrichello for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, you know. But, but, hey, you know, maybe there's another side to it. <laughs> maybe Verstappen is just so good that there's nobody going to be as close. To, maybe he is, you know, People say the Hamilton, Schumacher, centers of the world could find an extra two, three tenths of a second out of nowhere. Maybe Verstappen can find an extra half a second out of nowhere, and and, and guys just can't keep up with it. I, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think that is the case. I mean, I, well, I, I obviously, do... obviously, the kid is very talented and he's very, very quick. So, yeah. I mean, there, there, that may, there may be some validity in that that the teammates just having a hard time holding pace with him or or the fact that the car is designed to fit his particular driving style yeah. to where he can put it on pole but you know the best his teammates can muster up because the car is designed with max in mind you know it's a little harder for them to get the, the maximum out of the car i don't know this I you know there it, is yeah i think it's a bit of everything there you know as you say i think there's you know, if you take the three or four elements there that we discussed, the fact that Verstappen is just quick, the fact that the car works well around him, the fact that Perez is relatively new to the team, the fact that probably the team management and the team structure clearly favours Verstappen. You know, you add all of those things up and that's where you get your three, four, five tenths of a second delta. And, you know, Red Bull just can't afford that. And, and and maybe they, you know, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know because Red Bull have never played that game of a solid number two like Ferrari have. And like to a certain extent Mercedes, because Mercedes got bitten when they had that Rosberg-Hamilton rivalry going back, you know, to the sort of 2013-14 then through those two or three years. So, you know, but Red Bull have always wanted to try and have their drivers pit against each other. You go back to Vettel and Weber and then... Uh, Verstappen and Ricciardo, you know, they, they've always wanted the drivers to push each other, but then they don't always like the consequences. You know, thinking back to Turkey when um, Vettel and, um, um, you know, Vettel and um, uh, Weber hit each other, or Baku when Verstappen and um, you know, Ricciardo hit each other. So it's it's a bit of six of one half of these doesn't do that. Yeah, you want teammates to fight, but then you also don't want to take, you know, pay the consequences sort of thing. It's interesting. It's interesting how that, you know, teammates of equal status works so well in IndyCar, but in, in Formula One, not so much. You know what I mean? It's, it's like Formula yeah. One has is just like ingrained in the culture that there needs to be a pecking order within the team. You know, yeah. there's, there's very few occasions where I can think of of just teammates that were on absolute equal footing. And, the, and even when you're talking Prost and Senna, they, they both thought the other was getting preferential treatment, you know? Oh, yeah. So there's always, there's always, you know, but, but, but I mean, you look at these guys in IndyCar, right? You know, 
look at the three guys at Penske, you know, the four guys at Penske all seem to be getting along, race one another. And, and, and it's different, though, make, isn't it? You know they I mean? they, this is the big difference between, to, you know, to put it bluntly, between US racing and European racing. The concept of teammates is far more prevalent in Europe. Um, they don't, you know, you are a team. In the U.S., you're individual teams. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, I uh, I remember the first first race I was ever at with, with in NASCAR. You know, we at Richard Childress, we had three cars out there. And one of our cars qualified like seventh or eighth, which was pretty good. And I went to one of the guys who worked in another team. Oh, I see, you know, so-and-so had a good qualifying. And they said, I don't give up. You know, they don't. You know, really in NASCAR especially, there's no concept of teammates. It's just, you know. Yeah, that, that's an excellent point. Yeah, when you consider in Formula One, you got these guys share the same pit crew. And, and you, you don't exactly. have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have that in American racing. So, Louise, what are your thoughts here? You've been kind of quiet there. I want to kind of bring you into the conversation. Honestly, like you mentioned about Boxers and Hamilton, I think it's kind of blown up a bit out of proportion. It was naturally going to be that way, considering the race wasn't terrible. It was just strategy. As far as Red Bull's concerned, they just had a, they've just got beaten big time on strategy. And as far as Paris concerned, Monaco has never been historically his strongest track. He's been bidding, he's been injured. I this is the vital race for him. If he gets out of Monaco with a great run, it'll do him any wonders. If he doesn't, then that that may be the end of the road as far as Red Bull's chances of the constructors championship is concerned. And as wow. far as the wow. teammates you put, ordeal. You put a lot of put a lot of pressure on Perez there. Yeah. 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 He, he's just he hasn't put on one solid all-around race weekend yet in my book. He just hasn't. No. Imola He's had was, a good race. You know, yes. I mean, um, Imola, he had a pretty solid race, I think, wasn't it? But it wasn't. But this, is, this was one of the things, looking back at Perez before he was picked and before he went there, when he had a good race, it was typically because of bad qualifying. You know, I look back on it, and yeah, he won a race last year, and he's Got on the podium before, but, you know, a lot of the times that's been like tire management. I remember even back at the Cyber Days when he first came into Formula 1, you know, I think it was Monza. He got, you know, he could make a, a set of tires last forever. And that's great, but you need the whole package. And maybe, 
maybe he's being shown up a little bit here at, at Red Bull. I don't know. Could be that and also list effort. Yeah. Emola, yeah, he qualified second, but otherwise he had a terrible se- terrible sessions and a terrible race in hindsight. And I still look back and I'm still standing by it. If Red Bull are not in that mix, Emola was that was the homage of a bad sign to come. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I don't I, I don't know what the situation is and you know, this is talking completely off the cuff here, but hey, Hulkenberg's still available. Yes, he is. Yeah, you know. and so is Kubica. Yeah, ah, no, right. So let's 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 with Kubica. Yeah, guys, let's shift gears a bit and let's talk about Aston Martin because there <laughs> there there have been some interesting news stories that have come out just very recently um, where they've got some quotes, I guess, or you know, alleged quotes from some members of the team there who are evidently yeah. un- un- unhappy with the direction that, that Mr. Stroll is uh, taking with the team. And he's got the, the way I read it is like, he's it's the my way or the highway where they would have yeah. preferred to have a, uh, I, I think that they prefer to have a low rate car like Red Bull, so, but they had planned to design, but he said, no, let's do this. Copy yeah. the Mercedes. Well, yeah, so, so you've got to look at it in two, t- t- two ways. Undoubtedly, the regulations for 2021 help the high-rake cars. So when I talk about rake, that's basically the angle the car sits in corresponding to the, the, the angle of the floor in comparison to the track. So a high-rake car, like a Red Bull, for example, has a relatively high rear end, which means the rear wing sits high in the airflow, et cetera, et cetera. Right, so there's... There's more clearance on, on the back of the car than there is in the front on a high rank. Yeah. And then, if you then, look then, at a, a, then a low rank car is more level. Correct. Yeah. So okay. if you were to take a Mercedes, which is typically, um, you know, a low rank car and, a, and a red, the Red Bull, which has been the high rank car, and you put those side by side, you could see the difference quite clearly, you know. Um, so going back two or three years now to when um, the Stroll family um, you know, purchased Aston Martin Force Injuries became. Um, the, you know, the new owners, they obviously have a, a remit. The remit is to make money. Yeah, that's the only reason that that, that uh, you know Mr. Stroll is there. Lawrence Stroll, I think. Is it Lawrence? Lawrence Stroll? Yes. Um, yes. Lawrence, Lawrence Stroll, yep. Yeah. Yeah, I, like, I, I, I like to call him Papa Stroll because it just sounds Papa fun. Stroll, yeah. Yep. I think you're Papa Smurf. Exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, so so he's got a he's got a remit though. It's basically I don't care what anybody says it's to make money. He's a businessman. He's a billionaire businessman. Billionaire businessmen do not become billionaire businessmen by giving away money. Okay, they make you know, they become billionaires by making money. So what he wants to do is make the car as quick as possible, as cheaply as possible. You know, pretty logical business acumen there. Maximum return, minimum input. So what does he say? He says to his guys, well, hey, look, 
that Mercedes is really fast. Let's make a Mercedes. Now, from an engineering standpoint, that's blasphemy. You know, in Formula One, you just don't do that. You do not. That is that is not what you do. You obviously can take design cues and design leads and, you know, have staff move around and people move around and you learn from design principles that other people have, for sure. But you do not. And it's not written in the rules per se. It's just the gentleman's agreement, should we say, within Formula One. You do not do that. You do not go along and just copy somebody else's designs, which is basically what they did. And these days we have such phenomenal technology in terms of scanning technology and imagery technology that it doesn't take a genius to do that. And you hire two or three of their engineers from Mercedes and you can get pretty close pretty quick. Now that's come back to bite them because they're pinned in this corner with this high rate design. Right. And and their car is not that good. No. Now the problem is fundamentally they don't understand how that car works. Mercedes do. And that's why Mercedes have been able to react and improve the car faster than Aston Martin have because Mercedes is like, okay, we understand how our car works. So if we have a deficiency in a certain area, we know how to overcome that deficiency. Aston Martin don't because they don't genuinely understand the core engineering principles that's that's made the car quick. So there's a lot of engineers now and a lot of people within the Aston Martin organization that are starting to be a little bit, well, hey, look, we're some of the leading design engineers in the motorsport industry. And we're basically being asked to photocopy a car. That's not what they do. You know, yeah, they they're, they're becoming a little more vocal. Yeah, there's <laughs> exactly. And, you know, teams, drivers, you know, engineers talk to engineers at other teams, you know. Every engineer in the Formula One panic knows an engineer, other teams, they've worked together, they live near each other because all the teams are based around the similar sort of area. You know, it's just how it works. So, you know, Bob, who works at Racing Point, talks to Fred, who works at, you know, Red Bull, and they went to college together or whatever it was, and he's like, oh, yeah, so Aston Martin, God, it's terrible now, yada, yada, yada. It gets out, and people start to hear of these things. So, you know, but to, to Lawrence Stroll's point of view, he wants to get a quick, you know, he's got to get a return on his investment. So it, it's a difficult situation. Um, yeah, I was going to say, what would you what would you say would be his best move now, you know, concerning the 2022 car? I mean, would he be would he would he be better off? I mean, I, I know that uh, you and I probably he'd be better off to just let his designers come up with what they come up with and, and trust them. I I will be perfectly honest with you. I worry about Aston Martin going into 2022. True. You know, you don't know what effect this change of philosophy, for want of a better word, has had on the organization, Moralva. Yes, you know, there's a lot of money flowing around there. All of a sudden, they're building a new facility, a new factory there. It's going to be probably the best in business. Um, you know, there are undoubtedly going to, there is undoubtedly engineering talent there, but Formula One is not a nine to five job. You know, it's not one of those careers that you do what is required. You do and push yourself to limit. I mean, I work 
50, 60, sometimes longer hours a week, you know, in, in Formula One especially, and not even batted an eyelid, it's because it's what you do. It's not because it's expected of you or because somebody will shout at you if you don't. It's just what you do because you are passionate about what you do. And that comes from the, uh, uh, you know, the, the mindset of the people around you and the fact that everybody else in that ecosystem and that bubble that you're living in does exactly the same thing. So nobody questions it. Nobody goes, geez, I've worked hard this week because it's what you do. So any chink in that armor of motivation and dedication can have huge ramifications on the rest of the organization and the morale of the engineers. And if that morale is low, and if the work environment isn't as positive as it normally would be, then there is a real danger that they will underperform next year because you need, especially when you're going through a huge philosophy change like we will be going into 2022 you know you need that commitment that i, I hate the phrase but that 110 percent commitment you know you need that and if it's not there even if you're at 99 percent, you know that every other team is at 100 you're going to plummet like a stone down that pecking order rapidly yeah, so the ball's in Mr. Stroll's court, that's for sure. So, oh we'll yeah, have, we'll just have to see that. Uh, Louise, you have any thoughts on uh, Racing Point Aston Martin? They've just been underwhelming. Sure, Stroll and Vettel have been decent and qualified, but they've just been extremely underwhelming. And I kind of had that feeling it was gonna happen. We talked about it last week. It seems like this week is a continuing trend to where they got to figure they got to do something on their own terms, rather than rely on something that somebody else has already done. That's why Reynolds snitched on them. And it seems like if it seems like there's just, it's just a convoluted mess and we'll see how it goes, but they're not running like they were at all. It doesn't surprise me. I could see something really going wrong there really fast. I think Lawrence now, goodness me, we're, two years into this project of Lawrence Stroll learning the team. Um, I can see something going really wrong, really fast there. And or three years into him earning it, I think, aren't we? Yeah. Not sure. Yeah. Yeah. It could, could, you know, something, something, something bad could go, you know, he can go right. Screw you. I'm off by and, and, and drop it like a stone. Right. Take all his money, Um, take all his money with him. Yep. Yeah. And he's also got the Aston Martin brand as well here. So, you know, yeah, we're, I'm, as Louis said, something doesn't add up. And I, 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 I pray it doesn't happen because, you know what, I don't care about Lance Stroll and Sebastian Vettel's performance on the track, you know, whatever. Somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to come last. That was what I care about is the five, six, seven hundred people or whatever it is that are employed by this team. And and you hope that that commitment's there, there is there long term. And, and, and they he takes a back seat and lets guys like Otmar, you know, Schaffenhauser, I think I can never pronounce his surname, geez. Otmar's a great guy. I used to work with him at Honda back in, back in the day. And uh, we, we used to get on really well. He's a great, great guy. And, you know, he needs to 
be given the opportunity to run that team. He is a team principal. He needs to have that role, not Lawrence Stroll. I'm sorry. That's, you know, he's, he's the money guy. And yeah, you, you know, you've got to be accountable and be, you know, you've got to make sure that your money's going in the right place. But if you buy a team and you entrust somebody like Otmar to run the place, let them do their job properly. Um, I agree fully. They're not the only ones either. Look at Haas and that whole fiasco, whether or not Gene is going to leave or what have you. Well, I think that was slightly different. It's just that you know, Gene just doesn't have the money, really. You know, it, 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 it's a different, you know, they, they've obviously been stung by the whole rich energy thing and some of the other things that have gone on in the last couple of years. And, you know, they're going about it in a very different way with Delara designing the car and they basically just run the car. Um, you know, it's a different model and maybe it's not quite what they wanted and you know as much as I, I i have a huge amount of respect for gene has and what he's achieved in, in motorsport it never struck me that he was there in the for the long term and you know um the, the whole i hate to say this i don't, I try, don't want to be the whole thing about it being builds an american formula one team it's not it never has been and there never will be an american formula one team there will be a Formula One team run under the American banner, but they're not, you know, in, in the actual team that builds the cars and runs the cars and, and, you know, turns the wheels every other weekend or whatever it was, their employment rate of, of Americans, one of a better word, is probably less than 10%, maybe even less than 5%. I, I don't know. But obviously, on the marketing and manufacturing side, which is based in North Carolina still, yeah, there's a lot more. But of the actual guys on, you know, the people that design the cars, run the cars, 10% would be my estimation. I may be wrong, but, you know, again, it just, it just, it was never going to work. It's never going to fit that image that they were trying to create. And if, 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 if there's no US-based company that can come along and sponsor them, with the amount of money that's floating around in the US, obviously there's something not right there. And yeah, the fact I that they well, have to well, go the last guy to cap try. in hand to the Russians to get money and with the political implications of that tells you everything you need to know about the long-term feasibility of that project. Right. And wasn't the last uh, American Formula team also Haas, but Carl Haas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had the, had yeah. the backing from Beatrice and the Lola yeah, Bill in the car. And, and that jumped yeah. in late in the season and it jumped in straight out of gate. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. That, and it, I think I know, Alan Jones was the driver. Well, it wasn't a bad little cause, but it didn't, but it didn't last long again. No, it's you know, not so. going to. No, it's because not going what's... to because, I mean, there's too much uh, American racing that you can involve yourself exactly. in. Exactly. And, and, yep. and Gene Haas is just bleeding money. Yeah. I, I mean, and he's he just, and if, if he'd have found a big, big backer to, to keep him in the game, he, he might stay in the game, but he is putting so much of his own fortune. Yeah into this team for really zero, you know, return. And I feel bad yep. for the guy. And if he, if he sells out to the Russians, I don't blame him. Mm-hmm. So, so with that being said, we've got uh, uh, this following weekend off, but then we're on to Monaco. Yeah, that's correct. Indeed, the principality. Yes. Yes, indeed. Monaco, which uh, we didn't get, didn't get to see Monaco last year. That was one no. of the, one of the races that didn't make the cut. So but we Richard, did. We have already had a little teaser of Monaco with the Formula E race. With the Formula, Formula E race. race. Yep. Yep. So we're going to full circuit. And you know what? 
it was a pretty damn entertaining race with some it, it good was. overtaking and good moves. It was. Yeah. I always enjoy watching Formula E uh, for, for whatever yeah. reason, you know, other than the fact that, uh, you know, it's so quiet to watch. But uh, yeah. Yeah, those, that, those guys uh, always yeah. it, it always seems like a really, you know, good battle. It's always a good battle. There's, all, there's always yeah. a good battles through the field and, and at the front. So, uh, I mean, I wish more folks watched Formula E. You know, it's, I just uh, wish they get rid of that stupid fan boost thing. <laughs> I know that's designed yeah, to increase that, fan interaction and everything, but that is a little goofy. Yeah, that's uh, that's like a NASCAR All Star race and fans or Super Mario Kart. Vote. Yeah, yeah. I'm watching the voice or something. You know, yeah. bleep 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 bleep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. All right, so we, I guess we can hold off on picking a Monaco winner until next week since we got a week off in between. Um, mm-hmm. IndyCar, IndyCar is headed for the IndyCar Grand Prix, um, getting ready for the month of May. The the you know the track set to open for the month of May. It looks like as of now we have thirty five entries for the Indy five hundred. We did have thirty six, but I heard that the Cody Ware experience. Um, has, got, has been got canceled. Has been scratched. Yep. Like oh, to use well, a horse I mean, racing term. Yeah. Five hundred now. That's been well, done. Sorry, guys. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if you saw. <laughs> so, but speaking of, I mean, we'll just spend a few minutes on on Indy here before we start talking about Darlington. But um, I saw an interesting thing earlier this morning. They unveiled the livery for uh, Renus VK's um, five hundred car. And his sponsor is Bitcoin. Well, it was until the market just crashed about an hour ago. <laughs> well, well, anyway, but but that's I, I just always think it's new when you see a new something new coming into racing because well, these cryptocurrencies or whatnot, I don't understand them very well. Uh, but but I know that uh, some folks do, and they they a lot of folks that are interested in, in these. Uh, type of things, but um, you know, any any new sponsor coming into the sport is welcome. I mean, you yep. know, it wasn't that long ago we started welcoming vapor products in. You know, we still have views out there. Yeah, there um, was some at St. Petersburg at those billboards. So I guess we're allowed to promote vaping advertisements for now. Well, for now, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's perfectly legal. Um, you know, because they had views. Remember, they had Mystic, um, Mystic, uh, and Blue. We're all uh, vapor products. Uh, we're all sponsored, sponsored indie cars. You know, I, you know, mind you, you know, tobacco products are no more. They haven't been for years, but uh, any, anything that's just kind of new and different getting in. And this Bitcoin is just interesting one. It's just cause it's really kind of way out there, you know, cause it used to be, you know, if you think your traditional uh, motor racing sponsors began with oil companies, tire brands, those sort of things, um, automotive accessories, and then they morphed into uh, alcoholic beverages, cigarettes, those sort of things. And then, as the sport group, we you know we started to see more you know grocery store products, consumer goods, you know candies, um, delivery services. Uh, so now Bitcoin is coming in as a cryptocurrency uh, sponsoring Indy five hundred car. That's pretty neat. So <laughs> that's. That's it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's an interesting sponsorship. That's for sure. And as far as that 52 team, I imagine it's money because they couldn't find spot because sponsorship became a problem. And there's so much that Rick Ware could do to put his son in a ride virtually for free that 
You could even get Spencer Piggott. You're going to get anybody in that car that probably would have been more qualified, much less have sponsorships, whereas Stefan Wilson does have the sponsorship, and he's back with the 25 team. Yep, Stefan Wilson will be in an Andretti car for the month of May. All right, well, well, for the 500, I believe I don't believe he's doing the Grand Prix, but uh, I mean, I mean, no, good, it's just Kimball and Montoya that is the extra entries for the Grand Prix. And speaking of Montoya, we're talking about him the other day because McLaren has evidently a big announcement coming up on Sunday, and we don't know what it is. Some folks say it's a sponsorship announcement. Some think you know it's just a company announcement, but uh, there's a little speculation. I mean. Richard and Louise and I were talking the other day. and said, wouldn't it be neat if they were putting together a Lamont's team? And, uh, you know, yep, you know they, they, they get, go ahead and do a, you know, uh, the LMH, Lamont's hypercar, put them in the top class, put Montoya in that car. Wouldn't that be neat if he gets that uh, triple crown? And Alonzo says, man. <laughs> it, could, it could happen. I'm, it could I'm, happen. If, if it's Lamar, if it's Lamar, it could be. I imagine it'd be perfect to put a super team. That's why I suggested like Lando Norris or Daniel Ricciardo to give it a go. Depends on Formula One if they del- purposely put that a Grand Prix in that weekend. I think they tried to keep it open, didn't they? I think they tried to, yeah. I mean, but uh, yeah, know, like the year that Hulkenberg won, the ne- the very next year they have a, they purposely put a Grand Prix in there. I like if. I imagine by the side or whatever, but I remember the following year, they they literally added a Grand Prix to clash with the mall. Yeah, but I but I've I've long held the contention ever since Alonso started his Triple Crown quest back in what was it twenty seventeen mm-hmm. when he first uh, you know announced he was going to win the Indy five hundred in Le Mans. Well, Le Mans is a no brainer because it's uh, there's only what two two cars in the LMP one class when he. <laughs> you know when, when he when he jumped in jumped in with the correct team there you go but uh, i've always contended that montoya is closer than he is because uh, montoya's already got that indy 500 under his belt and um and we do know that um montoya is a very skilled and excellent sports car racer and endurance racer he's uh yeah. won an IMSA title just two years ago so um yeah so that'll be neat to see but uh it could just be that this is just a sponsor announcement and uh, or Formula E for all we know, or Formula E, yep, or or anything else. But uh, we'll just have to, uh, you know, keep your uh, keep your uh, ear to the pavement, see what's going on with uh, McLaren on Sunday. But they say it's a big announcement. All right, so Darlington. So we're not used to seeing a NASCAR race finish with uh, somebody lapping the entire field, but that's. Uh, Pretty close to what we saw this week here. Martin Truex was class of the field all day, stuck up the show at Darlington. Um, and, and again, so Truex is now three wins on the season, really making his mark here. Louise, what did you think about the Darlington race? With Truex winning, everybody else still has a single win. So Truex is still the only multi-winner this year. It's just a tip. What do you consider a typical Martin Truex Jr. kind of race. Just when he's on it, he's on it. You cannot beat him. Whether it's on a short track, intermediate, or super speedway. Well, not super speedway yet, but the speedway tracks, because he's still yet to finally capitalize on those play tracks, or now known as super speedways with Daytona Talladega. But Kyle Larson tried to make a show out of it in the closing lap. He caught him, but I think he just wore out his tires too much. It did it a little bit too early. Well, and if you're in a position for the one you try to go for, but sometimes patience may not would be nice, but you cannot, especially how strong Truex says. If you, it's just 
yeah, nobody had, nobody could catch him. Nobody other than Kyle. And when Kyle did, he worn out his car too much, and it was too little, too late. There's where other guys like Harvick, Brakasasi that started off great. They fell apart, and strategy was vital. That kicked a lot of people in the curb. Kasowski had a terrible race. Ross Chastain's strategy backfired. Kyle Busch, who was leading, spun with a flat tire and thought that was over. He ain't going to win or be a factor with a good result. And he got a third. So there was a lot of factors into it. And a lot of people say, oh, it was a boring race. It was nothing interesting. But when I, from my vantage point, there were a lot of track decisions, a lot of close battles. Sometimes you're going to have those races where it's just Somebody's going to outclass everybody. And that's what we saw this Sunday with Truex and like most of his other twins, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I was going to say, we've seen a lot of that out of Truex the last couple of years. And the, Truex is an interesting character because here's a guy whose career seemingly took forever to get going. If you recall, Martin Truex's rookie season was 2004. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he's just been around. He was, you know, he, he won a race in 2007. And I don't think he won another one for another 10 years. Or- he would have yeah, 16, wasn't it? Was it 16 Cup, no, Pocono? Oh, no, no, no. Cup debut 04, rookie season 06, first one 07. He wouldn't win again until Sonoma 2013. Yeah. I, that was the first race I ever went to, Sonoma 2013. Right. But, uh, but at the same time, he is, I believe, right at 40 years old right now. And he's driving better. Than probably anybody else out there, honestly. If you if you just look at his racecraft and and the way he he, he puts a race together, and then and when he gets out front, stays out front, and and manages the car, and manages the tires, manages the pit stops. Well, he's the uh, only guy with multiple wins this year, isn't he? And exactly, you know. and this has been a very competitive year. Yeah. So so yeah, I mean, I just you know, it's just kind of unbelievable that he probably you know he likely a lot of guys wouldn't have held on to a job that long. No, you know, you know, with it, without, without a win, especially in, you know, today's culture, it's, you know, win or get out, you know, there, there, there was a time where, you know, you could be a, you know, a Kenny Schrader and run around in the middle of the pack and get a paycheck. But uh, you know, now it's, but it's, uh, no. it's interesting that, you know, that they're sort of starting to, you know, they had that little, transition period post Cole Pern there, didn't they, last year? But, you know, they've started to set up, you know, with a new crew chief and a new setup there, and, you know, that's all starting to work really well for them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got to mesh well to click enough, and and it's good to see that Truex were, are able to do it, because remember last year, he only had that weeknight win in Martinsville. We thought it was going to, this is that's probably the downturn of Truex's career, and People may say wanted in a few years they were going to write him off, but now that's not the case right now. It seems he's just clicking quite well in the 19th team. It shows you why he's still with the, still with Gibbs, and he's viewed as a valuable asset. Yeah, he's really found his stride. You know, at at 40 years old. Right? Well, I mean, so we'll say you know, starting in about 20 2016 17, he really found his stride and became, you know, from a you know a a decent driver to you know one of the top guys. So mm-hmm. and he and he remains there. So yeah, and a lot of people also bring this up now recently that he's probably one of the most cleanest drivers out there. That he'll give you an opportunity. Sure, he'll be vocal how they race him, like with Logano or Ricky Stenhouse in the past, or even if I remember Denny Hamlin this year earlier. It feels like yesterday thinking about that whole deal with Truex and Hamlin, but 
That is true. And who knows? I was banking that Larson was going to catch him, but it's it's just Darlington. It's just it's what it is. You if you go a little bit too much or push it too much, it's going to bite you because the tires are everything at Darlington. This pit strategy is crucial as well. There was a lot of good drivers that struggled quite horrendously or even had flat tires like Michael McDowell and Alex Bowman had issues that knocked him out of a good finish. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Darlington's always a bit of a tough, tough track. Well, they, they say it's a uh, too tough to tame, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, so did Eric Jones. Yeah. Eric Jones came into this race top 10 every time in cup first year in the 43 struggle. He just did not have the pace. Even as if he could be good, Sometimes the car may not be there or it's just not meant to be at all. And a lot of drivers just their days were not meant to be. The fact that we saw like barely a dozen cars on the lead lap is just so you that Darlington is still has that personality trait, no matter the horsepower, no matter package, no matter who dominates. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, interesting enough though, remember if you recall early, early in the season, you know, we were, we were talking about how, you know, Toyota hadn't gotten to win yet. You know, early on and uh, how the Chevys, the Chevys and the Fords look to be a little bit ahead of the Toyota. But now that's kind of rolling back to Toyota now. Well, especially with Truex. But, uh, you know, Kyle, Kyle Bush picked up a win as well uh, last week. So uh, it looks like we're, we've got a little more parity going on here. But I still got I still got to say that down the stretch, Kyle Larson is, is really looking like he's going to be the guy to beat week in and week out. Especially at the yeah. mile and a half. But it's, it, it's speaking of mile, it's not a mile and a half, excuse me, but those kind of tracks larger than a mile, he's going to be a threat, and he showed it again. But the big question is, can he win again? Because if, remember my bold prediction, I said he'll win a race, but he'll be knocked out early. One or the other is going to happen. I still stand by it. But he's doing quite well so far, and that's, and what more can you want from him? He's shown that he's with a good, solid, established car and a good, established team like Hendrick in a time period where Hendrick are finally getting their winning ways back and be competitive week in and week out. This is encouraging. Maybe someday, eventually, sponsors may want to come back to Larson or be on board with him for the first time. He just needs to win a couple more races to find to get that ball rolling. And we say, and the same goes to Denny Hamlin. Albeit Hamlin has FedEx, but Hamlin strong work to get you that so far, and that's in NASCAR. But you need to win. Period. I don't care if like Matt Crafton went winless in Truck Series and won championship. I don't care if Ryan Newman nearly won a title for probably being winless, where he had to beat Harvick for him to win a championship. Those he would have won anyway. You just gotta have to click when it matters most. You can have all these great runs right now, but when it comes to the postseason, it's going to be crucial to win. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a couple guys out there, other than Denny Hamlin, still looking for their first win of the season. Um, notably, I, Chase Elliott hasn't won this year yet, has he? Yep, and neither has neither has Harp. No, Harvick. Yeah, Hamlin, Harvick, Elliott are probably the three. Yeah, those are the three. Those are the three three big hitters expect. there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because uh, all the Penske guys have won. No, Blaney had no Blaney did win a race, didn't he? Yeah, he won in Atlanta. That's correct. Yeah, so yeah, so yeah. Uh, the balls in their court. So yeah, so where are we off to next? We are going to Dover, the Monster Miles this weekend. Well, see that should that should bode well for Harvick, right? He's he's won won a couple there. 
So has Truex. So it could go either so way. So has Truex. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, Dover's not one of my favorite tracks. Never has been. Um, but, uh, you know, at the same time, I, I don't mind it. I love the I, I love the rock sculpture of the monster with the car in his hand is about my favorite thing about Dover. I just remember back in the nineties, back when Dover was a 500, that thing, that thing could easily go six hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah. If a big wreck or a hard lick from a driver happens, you're destined to be there for over five and a half hours. That's probably why ESPN dropped and he gave it to TNN because it's just that long of a race. And ultimately, they cut it down to 400 because I'd imagine those were endurance races, especially how long you never know how long that race could go. Yeah, yeah, there were some long ones in the 90s. I remember that. Yeah, and that's that's you know kind of one of the prevailing factors why they they started saying then does every race need to be 500 miles? You yeah, know, the, or, or 500 go, laps. So yeah, Dover and Rockingham were cut to five to four. Right, and so was Pocono. Um, and a couple others were Fontana were, was dropped to 400 up to 400. Well. Yeah. And so the same time is, with Pocono. Yeah. But, but if you, if you think about that, even, you know, today, this day and age with uh, young people's shorter attention spans and, and just the, the competition for television time, right. It's, it's more mm-hmm. pal- palatable thing to sell to television that we have. This will fit in a three and a half hour block rather than just could go five hours or more, you know? So, yeah, you got a lot to be playing with, and you cannot mess around with it now. Back then, you could, but not now. Right. Now, Richard, um, you've uh, worked on setting up these cars. Now, Dover is a, a bit interesting and different than a lot of the tracks. I mean, number one, it's 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 full-on concrete, just like Bristol, but it's a bit bigger than Bristol. It's a, it's a bit yep. flat, flatter than Bristol. Yep. Um, I mean, what do you, what do you see as the particular challenges of setting up a car for Dover, Dover and getting that performance uh, all day long? It's a little bit more of a driver's track. I'd say, you know, the driver's a little bit more in tune with it in terms of break, you know, you, sounds very simplistic, but in a way it, it is, you know, you, you've got, the flutter curve, you know, flutter banking on the curves. So um, you don't have that natural turning that you can see on a lot of these tracks. So, you know, the braking is more in demand. Okay, you're not doing the high, some top speeds going to the corners, but it does put a demand on the cars that you, you know, you don't see a lot of the other tracks. And it's that sort of perfect combination of, 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 of flat, you know, turns and a little bit longer straights. You know, it, it, it's it's a unique circuit in many ways. And, you know, you do have the grip issues, as I say, being a concrete circuit, which is, again, pretty unique. So it's just, it's one of these tracks that really a lot of these guys all just go to their setups from previous years and just run with it. You know, you're not going to spend hours and hours and hours running simulations on this because it's such a unique track and it is so driver dependent. You you give a driver a car that can get the job done and have at it, boys, you know, just, just go and do your thing. And we'll look to the next race from a setup standpoint, really horrible to say, but it, it does, you know, it's not unusual for that to be the, the, the uh, mentality of a place like Dover. Well, nothing wrong with the driver's track. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of a driver's track, you know, and again, you know, you look at, we talk about, you know, this is a track that suits guys like Harvick and Truex, you know, two of the best guys out there. 
So, you know, that says it all, really, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, Louise, did we have an Xfinity race at uh, Darlington this past week? We did, right? Yes, we did. We had trucks and Xfinity. The truck race was just a literal mess. Once the big wreck happened, uh, it hurt the shot of John Hunter Nemechek. Corey Heim and Arca Standa made his debut. He was having a tremendous showing, but that got ruined by that big wreck. In the end, Sheldon Creed won the truck race following the race-ending caution that involved Haley Deegan, who's just been having an appalling season, an appalling rookie year. The same goes with Derek Cross, super appalling. For a co- so it's been a rough year for a couple of the former West standouts. And Xfinity, Noah Gregson had a won the dash for cash, but got disqualified. Ultimately, today, as we're recording this, he, he won the appeal. So he gets his, body, his dash for cash money back. And Josh Berry also had a great run. He finished second, but in the end, it was Justin Allgaier who won in the Dale Earnhardt 2000 Daytona 500-inspired paint scheme. Big win for him, for Allgaier. So everything is going quite right now Right now with JRM as a whole. Yeah, there's some speculation that, that JRM may move up to Cup, but I, I don't hear anybody at JRM saying that, just idle talk from uh, other that's been a discussion for years, but it seems like the talks are increasingly getting leaning towards maybe getting yeah, a cup. Yeah, if yeah, we had, leaning if we towards had, maybe. I like that. If, yeah, if we, maybe. if we had Seth here, he'll probably explain much better than I do some of the complicated issues as far as junior running. JRM going to cup is like finding a charter or yeah, how many cars yeah. will show, especially coming to 2022 with the new car. It's kind of become a now or never ordeal for Dale for Dale if he wanted to start a cup team. If he comes in, do, do, do you feel like he wants to start a cup team? In, think, my, in my mind, as I as I look at Dale Earnhardt Jr. and, and listen to him and watch his podcast and um, listen to him, you know, on the on the broadcast and watch him with his race team, he seems like a guy that's perfectly happy and content with what he has right now. Yeah, he. I, you know what I mean? I, I, I same by. Yeah, and that's, so. and and you and it's okay. You you do need a couple teams that are just exclusive to one lower series. Look at the trucks. You have Thorsmore and, and Xfinity. You have JRM. Colleague is not going to become both an Xfinity and a Cup team, but the fact that we still have a couple of teams, whether it's trucks or Xfinity, that are exclusive to that one series, it's not a bad thing to have. I think it's a neat way to build stability and say, okay, if you want to see Dale Jr., the future stars, the Dale Jr. saw some value in talent for like a Josh Berry or a Sam Mayer coming up, you go watch the Xfinity series. It's, and it's okay. You do need some stability. You need your couple guys that will run, that are meant just to be an Xfinity or truck driver or some run a few years in Xfinity before moving the cup rather than rush them, whether they have the talent or preparations. I, I I can't agree with you more, Louise. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, even in the early days of the truck series, you had guys that were just specials into like like Ron Hornaday. You know well, what I mean? Yeah, was, and it did. Yeah, with, with Hornaday, like you, you built stars in the earlier trucks with Spray Hornaday Skinner. They right, moved up the right. cup, but of the three that I mentioned, only Skinner had the longevity. Sprague kicked to the curb in 03. Didn't even finish the season. 
Ron Horner, they ran 0-1 before decided to go to the Bush series. He did okay before going back to the truck series where he was able to rack up records. And, and it's not the bad thing to have as well because look at how many drivers in the mid-2000s were there. One made the truck series so strong at that time period. You had a couple of those ex-Cup drivers that either were okay or just flat out had a bad rookie year that they couldn't make it back. And it's been also good races. You just need that stability of drivers. And I know Kelly Credo was animate about it in one podcast that you just need an influx of drivers like an Xfinity, Ryan Sieg, or Jeremy Clements. You need those kind of guys. But at the same time, back then, you those established long mainstay guys were actually contenders for wins like a Tommy Houston. We don't really have that right now with Xfinity besides Justin Allgaier. Exactly, exactly. So, well, with that being said, we've just got a few minutes left in the show. So I would like to go around the board and let's make some picks. We need to pick a winner for the Indianapolis Grand Prix for the Indy cars. And we need to pick a winner for um, Dover. So, uh, Richard, I'll start with you. Who do you like for the Indianapolis Grand Prix? Herta. Hey, good choice there. And for Dover? Bowman. Okay, nice, nice. And Louise, Indianapolis Grand Prix? I think Graham Ray Hall is going to pull it off this time around. Strategy bit him a year ago. He has the momentum that he needs. I think this is going to be a good start to the month of May for Graham Ray Hall. That's my pick for the Grand Prix. And it's gone. And Dover? Okay, I was going to wait because you were, I thought you were going to say something. But Dover, I'm going <laughs> to go with Chase Elliott. I think he finally breaks through in his title defense with a win at Dover. Okay, and I want to go a little bit outside the box for the Indianapolis Grand Prix and pick a guy who's done well here and done well in some similar circuits uh, but hasn't gotten a first win yet, and that is Jack Harvey. Um, I could, I, that's a probability. Yep. Got yep. A chip, so I want to chip on his shoulders too. Feel like he's got something to prove. Yep. Yep. Him and him and uh, Graham Rahel had a little bit of a, a war of words uh, after this last race. And he feels like uh, Graham maybe disrespected him a little bit. And, uh, you know, it goes back to, <laughs> you remember when Tuma, Takuma Sato felt he was disrespected after Pocono? When everybody accused him of starting that wreck at the start, even though if you watch the in-car from his car, he never changed his line. And he came yeah. right, right back the next week and won that race. That's, that's the kind of fire I'm feeling from Jack Harvey. And as, as far as Dover, I'm going to say Harvick goes ahead and picks up his uh, first win of the year uh, because, uh, I, I mean, it's almost inconceivable to think that uh, a guy like Kevin Harvick is going to go winless, um, you know. So, well, oh, that, you could have Harvick. Harvick goes to, you know, season winless and then wins the championship to make up for last year where he won everything in sight. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, oh, if that, if that it could, happens, it could happen. It could happen. Yeah. If that happens, then Richard gets 50 from me. <laughs> hey, hey, there you go. You 50, had it bucks, hit 50 bucks. All right. Well, guys, we are out of time. So I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. And want to thank iHeartRadio, Speaker, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. And want to thank Louise and Richard. Appreciate you guys a ton. But most of all, I want to thank you folks who listen to us every week. Until next week, good night. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 